0: Welcome Comfort at Home listeners. This is the Barking Truth presented to you by Comfort at Home Pet Services. This podcast will reveal the Barking Truth about what is actually happening in the pet industry so that you can gain knowledge and education to keep our pets safe, healthy, and well. I will be your host, Jennifer Seibel, Certified Professional Pet Sitter. Dog Bite Prevention Educator, Fear Free Certified, Pet First Aid and CPR Trained, and Owner of Comfort at Home Pet Services. I hope you enjoy. Welcome everyone. Today's episode, we're going to talk about what it takes to be a professional. Fun thing is today, we have a special guest. I have Rachel Pape. From Doggone Awesome Pet Services with us. Say hi, Rachel. Hello, everyone. So, Rachel, tell me a little bit about Doggone Awesome Pet Services. What do you guys do?
1: Doggone Awesome Pet Services is a family-run business. It's my husband and I that own the business. And we do half-an-hour visits, one-hour visits. We do overnight visits. We do dog walks. We pretty much do anything you need for your pet. Other than grooming, we don't do that. We don't do boarding.
0: Nice, nice. And what kind of pets do you take care of? You take care of all kinds of pets, right? We take care of just about
1: everything. I have chicken clients. I have dogs, cats. We had a snake client. Mm. Pretty much everything. (laughs)
0: Nice. Well, I just got asked this question the other day. Um, Actually, yesterday, somebody asked me, they said, what's the weirdest pet you've ever taken care of? I didn't know how to answer that because like none of them are bizarre and weird to me because it's just like our daily life. What would you say? Like, would you be able to answer that? What's what's the weirdest pet you've ever kind of cared for?
1: consider any of them actually weird because they're all pretty cool I mean if anything's weird it's that I have a pet pig so I guess nothing could be too weird for that but I would say the most unique that I've had myself in was the snake I would say just because it's a snake Um, I mean we've we've done just about a lot of animals Uh, we've done the birds the fish anything you can imagine
0: we've pretty much done Sweet. Well, what I wanted to ask you, you just said you have a pet pig. So what type of animals do you have at, at your own home? I know, uh, like, tell us a little bit about, like, your whole family. You're saying this is a family-owned business, you and your husband. But I know you have, you know, three wonderful, you know, children. Uh, they might not be wonderful to you, but they are to <laughs> me. Um, and I know you have some pets. So, Tell us a little bit about, you know, your your background and, like, your family dynamics of what you're doing there.
1: Well, I have three boys, 11, 13, and now 16. It is my husband and I and the three boys. And we also have three dogs, a pig, and fish. We have an American Bulldog, a Pitbull Lab, a little Min Pin who's really old, and the fish. And then Arnold, our pig, is a year old. He is an inside pig. He's pretty awesome and way too smart. Uh, today I came home, yeah. he ate a uh, tube of toothpaste, and it was all through my house. Yeah. Um, but he is incredibly smart, fully house trained. He goes out the doggy door. He lives inside. So I love all of my pets equally, but he is definitely the most unique, should I say.
0: Yeah, and and a lot of people say, and I know a lot of people get, you know, pigs as pets thinking they're going to be great and not understanding what all kind of work kind of goes into dealing with a pig. And I know between you and I, because, you know, I've met Arnold and everything. I mean, he can be a little, you know, vicious at times. Like, he he can bite pretty good, you know, when he's looking for his food and stuff. So, I mean, it takes more than just having, like, a farm to, you know, have a pig, doesn't it? It absolutely does.
1: I always tell people, and I hear this all the time, oh, I want a mini pig. Mini pigs do not exist. A mini pig is pretty much a pig that is starved and not taken care of until you get it, thinking it's this little tiny pig. A mini pig can get up to 500 pounds. So anybody wanting a mini pig needs to rethink. Arnold's about 50 pounds. That's about all the bigger he should get. But when I got him, I've pretty much realized that if he's 500 pounds, he's still going to be in my house and loved, just like all of my other animals. But they're definitely a handful. Uh, What they say is they're like a toddler, pretty much like a two-year-old toddler. And I have to admit, absolutely correct. Uh, Let's see. He gets into everything.
0: He's yeah, I, I saw him the other day. Like he was opening like cabinet drawers and stuff, getting into stuff. And I'm like, "What are you freaking doing?" <laughs> oh yeah, he
1: he's unlocked my gates before. Yeah, he has opened all of my cupboards, ate all of my kids' pop tarts. He really loves pop tarts, so oh, he nice. ate all the kids' pop tarts. Uh, we put child locks on all the cupboards. All of our gates have locks. Pretty much, I child proofed my house for Arnold.
0: But he still finds his way into
1: everything.
0: And I'm sure you've childproofed your house more for for Arnold (laughs) than you had your original kids. For for when they were younger, you've probably childproofed worse now and more military done than you did with your kids, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely correct. Yeah. And the
1: thing is, another thing people don't realize about pigs is you cannot leave a pig alone with dogs. So if you have dogs and you want a pet pig, it is natural instinct. A dog's natural instinct is to attack. A pig's natural instinct is to defend. And that is what happens with the animals. So they can be best of friends, but it just takes one thing, you know, for the dogs to become pack animals and something bad could happen. Absolutely. So my dogs, unless we're around, are always separate from the pig.
0: Yeah and you've already had some you know severe issues with your two dogs sometimes not getting along because all three of your dogs that you have are all rescue dogs and I know I've helped you and I've come in and done some training and stuff and things are you know way better than what they've originally been but that makes for you know a crazy crazy household when you have two dogs that sometimes you can't trust to be around each other and you're still doing training and you're still working with them and then adding a pig into the situation where flip of a you know blink of an eye something can happen right oh you're right
1: i have my two dogs at one time i had five dogs when my alpha dog had died um my american bulldog and my pitbull lab started to fight Mm. and they couldn't find who was dominant so it was it was terrible bloodshed so we kept them separated And it's something that we did for three years until I met you and realized that three years ago, I probably should have fixed this problem. Well, now it's in my head that they can't be together. So we have our house completely split in half. The dog, One dog gets one side of the house to a doggy door out the half of the yard. The other dog gets this side of the house with this doggy door out to the other half of the yard we swap them throughout the day we switch family time with them so pretty much my house is separated between the two dogs the pig gets along with all the dogs yeah so that that's not a problem it's just the two dogs that don't get together so I highly suggest let me just throw this out there that if anyone has pets that don't get along try to fix the problem ASAP because it will do nothing
0: but get worse Yeah. But what's great is that since you've been working with me and doing some training and stuff, like I just watched you the other day when I was over your house, like you were able, both dogs were able to pass each other to go through the gates and share a room. They walked past each other. It wasn't like, and, and the gates aren't, your gates are good. They can still sniff each other if they Honestly, if they wanted to, your gates aren't that high. They can jump over and kill each other. It's not that your dogs are aggressive in any way. And literally I watched you open up the gate and both dogs just passed each other. Didn't even give a crap. They were just like, Hey, I'm going this area. So, I mean, I think things have like worked out so much better for you now that you've started working with the situation instead of being so stressed that you, I I can't have this one around and, and, And it's been a traumatic incident for you watching them get in a fight. And, I mean, that kind of sticks with somebody.
1: It does. And uh, they've been in three fights. And that was enough for me. I should have fixed the problem a long time ago, but I didn't. So now, honestly, I believe it's more me than the dogs. Um, It's more me seeing that happen. And I'm so scared that's going to happen again. That's why I try to help people now who've been through these like traumatic incidences. Like I try to help them because I know what it's like to go through them. And I want to try to help that person fix the problem rather than them have to live with it like I'm doing right now, because I'll live with it forever. Now it's, it's my lifestyle of having the dog separated.
0: Right. And it's kind of like, I mean, I'm working with you with one of your clients, you know, um, with their their dog that their dog has seemed aggressive and it wasn't an aggressive situation. And you've been working with it's, it's a PTSD thing that you have and your client has to kind of get through this. But I think the another part in this industry is that I think pet owners such as, you know, yourself and the client that, you know, I've been working with you with. They're, they reach out to, and unfortunately, because there's not enough education out here on how to choose the proper trainer, there, these trainers aren't getting back, you're feeling that your dog's beyond help, and you just kind of give up, and you're just kind of like, this is how my life's going to be, because nobody wants to help me, nobody understands the situation, and is willing to work with anybody on that.
1: That's absolutely correct. And the client that you're speaking of, um, she's an older individual and she has a golden retriever, big golden retriever, most lovable thing in the world. Big, not aggressive. So what had happened is this, um, golden retriever had pulled the owner down causing some pretty severe injuries, um, hospital related injuries. And, um, I had gone in, and I have helped her. We started using the harness that latches at the front. I live by them
0: now. What are they, Jen? Yeah, they're um, an easy walk, easy walk harnesses. The easy, easy walk, walk and the freedom walk harnesses are the two I absolutely recommend for anybody who's having issues with their pets. Absolutely. And-
1: I 100% agree. Um, We had put that harness on the dog and I started out walking the dog by myself. What had happened is, is that whenever the dog's other owner had passed away, uh, the dog then started teaching mom how the dog wants to walk rather than mom teaching the dog how the dog is supposed to walk. So it just got a little bit out of hand. And, you know, those incidents started happening. So what I did was I had went in and I had worked with the dog and worked with the dog. And within about two weeks, the yeah. dog was absolutely phenomenal. Like, I couldn't yeah. believe the change in the dog with the easy walk harness. Yeah, so, and it didn't
0: take you long at all. And I know when me and you were both working on this, you know, I was giving you advice and talking to you and working with the client. I was able to bring over several of my dogs. I brought over my, you know, Rottweiler, who's, you know, a black dog, can can seem, you know, a little scary. I brought over my puppy, who just wants to, like, be in everybody's space. And this dog did, you know, fabulous. You did some, such great work with this animal. And, you know, how's things kind of going with the owner? Because you've dealt with PTSD from having incidents with your own pets, and she, she's had the same. So how's she doing with everything? Uh, knowing
1: what she went through. And that's what I sat down and explained to her. I said, listen, I have gone through this and I'm still going through this with my dogs. I'm traumatized. So I want to help her in every way that I can. So we worked with the dog first. The dog is absolutely amazing. So then we started working with her. We started walking certain areas. And once she got comfortable with that, we took her out of that comfort zone and we put her in a different area. And we started working with that. So, it started out with me holding the leash and her walking with me, realizing that, okay, this dog isn't going to pull me down or anything like that.
0: Then yeah, because per- the, dog, the dog wasn't aggressive. I don't yeah. mean to interrupt you. The dog wasn't aggressive. I mean, everything me and you both witnessed with the interactions, the dog's just excited. It wanted to go and greet other dogs. They wanted to see what was going on. And a lot of people seem to think that Because an incident happens, you know, it's the dog being aggressive and they're not understanding what excitement and friendliness compared to aggression can be.
1: Absolutely. And that's what I told her. I said, this dog is not aggressive. This dog is big and excited and happy. So what we have to do is we have to teach this dog that when you get excited, if you sit down, whenever we're walking, we have him sit. And when he sits down then people come up and they say hi yeah. and dogs can pass by and you don't have to act crazy when dogs pass by so we started going on we used double leash um yep. she had the one leash she had she was in charge of the dog i had a backup mm-hmm. leash so then we worked on that we got over that where she did terrific she was 100% comfortable with that and i took her out of that comfort zone and now I hold a leash in my hand, not attached to the dog, and she walks the dog with me there. And that's our step now. That's what we're working on now, which is super cool because I tell her, I'm like, you're walking the dog.
0: You are absolutely (laughs)
1: walking your dog by yourself. In the most uncomfortable situations I can put her in, passing by animals and people and we're passing by squirrels and all of these things are things that the dog used to react to. So it's super awesome and such a proud moment as a pet.
0: Well, good. Well, good. Well, I know we kind of went on on a little tangent here, but I want to kind of bring things back. So when did you actually, you know, start Dog on Awesome Pet Services? When did you actually start it? I know I met you and I think it was around the time that, you started, which was September of last year during COVID, which you're, you're dumb for starting a business doing that. But do, do you know when you actually started? Because I know it's been a whirlwind in the last you know, year or so for you.
1: That's what it started. We started September of last year. And what it is, is I am, I was a dispatcher. I worked at 911 and then I worked at a police department as a police dispatcher for 16 plus years total between the two. And I got an opportunity to work at an office job. Uh, Mm. Once this Monday through Friday office job picked up, COVID hit. And I then didn't have this office job. Well, I could have, I could have went back to dispatching with no problem, but I wanted something that I loved. I mean, I love dispatching, don't get me wrong, but I wanted something that I loved and enjoyed and wasn't as stressful and negative to be around so I then was thinking walking dogs. Well, walking dogs just doesn't exist. <laughs> it is a whole, sure. a whole new thing. Yeah. So before I even started taking on my very first client, my, I wanted to get an LLC because yeah. I feel it's important to make sure that my company is protected. So right. we are an LLC Then my second biggest thing with my husband being a police officer and me having prior dispatching through a police department is being insured and bonded. The most important thing I could ever have done. Um, There are things that could happen as a, Oh, you're a dog walker. No, there are so many things that could happen while you're in people's homes, emergencies that happen And I'm not oblivious to all of this stuff because of the police department and my husband being a police officer. I realized literally anything can happen at any time. So that was a huge, huge thing for me to get insured and bonded. So before I took on my very first client, I make sure I was a complete, legit business.
0: Good. Well, a little bit more about, you know, your background. I mean, just talking about your background, talking to you most of the time, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm tired. Um, you, you have a previous, you and your husband both have a previous military background. And you're also this large up-and-coming actress. So you have, you know, what, three dogs. You have some fish. You have a pig. You have three teenage boys, which, you know, I'm more than willing to give them back after, you know, five minutes with them. <laughs> I'm willing to give them back. Um, And then you're an upcoming actress on top of that. Plus you're running a business. I mean, I'm exhausted just even saying those terms. Like how in the hell do you do it? How, how, how is all this just coming to play? And when your, your actress career is starting to, you know, form and come up, why, why go into owning a business and dealing with pets when pets are unpredictable like you just said like you want to get insured you want to get bonded why deal with that hassle when your your life is pretty busy it's pretty crazy i'm exhausted i'm exhausted
1: well i put my business in front of everything right now um the acting had slowed down because of uh covid and all that stuff um so i'm working on a pretty big um sex trafficking film out of ohio called it's actually killing my obsessions is what it is um so it's a pretty big film i'm a supporting lead actress in this film so i play a huge role in this film but um, everything kind of got put aside i have a lot of my filming done for that film and this film is the world to me so i have a yeah. lot of it done But what we're doing is when we start picking back up and stuff, like I have everything scheduled with my film that nothing will interfere with that day. Unless, of course, there is an emergency, then I work with that. And I work with our uh, production crew and everything. And I the director and all that with the filming, I work with them and we're able to readjust things.
0: That's good. So you're able to, you know, meet both of your you know, passions in life, and not be, you know, too worn out and not be too, I mean, it's always going to be stressful, but I'm sure like not as stressful. And you can hit all of your passions in one. I mean, congratulations to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So um, let's talk about we just said that, you know, when you want to start out your business a little over a year ago, you knew you wanted to do things right. You mentioned insurance. You mentioned bonding. But to make a professional, I kind of feel like not only insurance and bonding, but you need to have, I know in Penn Hills, I'm in Penn Hills. I know you're out in Murraysville. I need to have a business license here with Penn Hills. They want to make sure that no matter my my home, I just receive mail here. I'm out on the road all day. That's kind of what we do. But to run my business in Penn Hills, I have to have a business license. And You've learned this, you know, sometimes the hard way, but that we need to know the laws that are going on. And with you having, you know, your dispatching background, your husband as a police officer, you need to know the laws that are going on with pet care and what is allowed and what's not allowed. And
1: a big thing I think people don't understand is I can't just bring dogs to my house. Right. You have to have a license to bring the dogs to your home. Um, I just can't say, hey, okay, you want me to watch your cat in my house? Okay, fantastic, bring your cat over. Like, that is not the proper way to do that, and that could be a huge disaster on my part as a business owner. So I make sure I do all these steps properly. Um, another big thing that I find has been crazy important and unfortunately has been needed is um, we are, I am first aid certified, and Good. CPR certified. I have had to use the first aid uh, two times in two pretty severe cases. That in
0: only a year, yeah.
1: Yeah, that I've been able to help the pet using those um, certifications that I have. Crazy important because if it would have just been like a neighbor watching um, the dog and the cat, that this had two separate, separate, two separate incidences. Um, If it would have been just the neighbor watching the cat and the dog, then something very, very bad could
0: have happened. For sure, for sure. And, and so when we sit here and talk about, let's go back to the subject of what, you know, this podcast is about is what does it take to be a professional? So you knew a year ago starting out that, okay, I needed to get insured. I needed to get bonded. And you checked to see if you needed a business license for your area. Then you were like, okay, I kind of know that I need to know the laws. My husband's in law enforcement. I need to know what side of the road I'm walking on, how to take precautions. And then, like you just said, you got CPR, first aid certified. And sometimes I think people don't realize how important that aspect of things are. And then I know you have a contract for care because me and you, you know, worked on that when we first, you know, met each other and a vet authorization. I think those are the main things that will make you a professional, that you have a contract for care, basically saying that I'm coming into your house to take care of your pets. I'm not robbing you. I'm not doing anything. And in case I can't get a hold of you, you allow me to get vet care for your pet, get the certification to sustain life until I can get the pet you know, to the vet and I can, you know, perform first aid. I can perform CPR if needed. And that if an incident does happen on, you know, your end, you're insured, you're bonded. So I think those are, you know, the main topics of things that makes a pet sitter a professional compared to these ones who are just like, hey, I'm your neighbor or I'm a kid down the street. I can go ahead and watch your pet. I'll do it for five dollars. $5 $5 an hour, I'll watch your pet. That's, I I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's what distinguishes what a professional is compared to somebody who's just doing this for extra money.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of people who will kind of chuckle at, hey, I'm a professional pet sitter, but I find it very important to get a professional. Um, I've been through experiences as a pet sitter, that are very tough experiences that I don't believe other people would have been able to handle.
0: Yeah. And, and we're going to, we're going to, you know, touch on that a, a lot here in, you know, this next part, but I mean, I think people think that all we do and they look down on us and look at us that, Oh, we just play with kittens. We play with puppies all day. It's easy peasy. Anybody can do this. The kid down the street can do this, but You're not realizing if you have a, you know, 100 pound dog, let's say a Rottweiler, you have a 100 pound Rottweiler that you're going to be, you know, walking, that dog can pull three times its body weight and you have a 50 pound child walking it. That child's going to be like drugged down the street, like, you know, like it's on a sled, like it should be on skis. I mean, and anything can happen when we're out in this world. So sometimes people like look down on us because we say we're you know, pet sitters or dog walkers or things like that. But I also feel that people don't understand that there is such thing as being a professional at doing this. We, we are professionals and there's certain criteria that makes us a professional instead of just a dog walker. We're professional. We're professional. We're not just that thing.
1: And I would have to say probably one of the biggest things as being a professional is, Um, not canceling. If somebody's going on vacation, uh, not calling the week before and saying, Hey, you don't have a pet sitter next week. Have fun on vacation. Um, I've had multiple people call last minute and say my pet sitter had canceled for next week. And I actually had a client who said my friend was going to watch my cat tomorrow and backed out and I'm supposed yep. to leave for vacation I did a meet and greet at 10 o'clock at night
0: Yeah, I remember that
1: to make sure that these people had a pet center for their cat and that they could go away on vacation and be happy
0: so yeah, that and, is I mean, huge. yeah and, and being a professional like this is our livelihood I mean yeah your husband's you know a cop but I'm I'm gonna be honest like I'm sure he doesn't make a whole lot putting his life on the line for dealing with our community and, you know, the scumbags in our community. But I mean, this is, this is our livelihood. This is what puts food on our table. This is what supports your kids. This is what's going to put your kids through college, things like that. So having people cancel at last minute, your friends, your family, the kid down the street, oh my gosh, it's prom day. I didn't realize I put this on for prom day. I can't take care of your animal. I mean, this puts people in a bad position. And if they've already made plans and you made that commitment as a regular human being, this is still a living, breathing creature that you said you would care for. You should honor your commitment instead of pulling out all of a sudden that that's not important to you. But to us, this is is our livelihood. This is what we care about the most. And if we make a commitment as a professional you stick with the commitment you made because we also realized too that if somebody, if we made a commitment to them, we're now telling them that, okay, go ahead and put a down, a deposit down on an air flight. put a deposit down on a hotel. These people could be losing out on, on thousands of dollars depending on where they're traveling. Absolutely. And that's what happened
1: to quite a few people. But um, luckily I was able to adjust some schedules and make everything work to be able to help these people out
0: yeah yeah and sometimes that's what we have to do and and being a professional I mean the crappy part is is that you know then the education's not out there and that's why I and you were talking today the education's not out there to let people know like what they need to look for so they're not stuck in the position where they're having to cancel their vacation they're having to lose out on money on airfare on hotels things like that because they didn't hire a professional
1: it's not even just that i mean you have people who have death in the families yeah that are completely unexpected And they have to go out of town. So I've had people call and say, listen, I have to go out of town. I have no choice. I have to go attend a funeral. Can you be here? Um, You have clients that go to the hospital. Had a client in the hospital for uh, well over a month. And I took care of her dog for nine days straight. Three times a day, I had to squeeze it into my schedule. And I absolutely made it work. I adjusted a few things, but that is what, this is my, this is my life. This is what I absolutely love doing. Like, it's not just something that, hey, I need a few extra dollars. Like, this is my business. I take this very, very seriously.
0: Right. And as a professional, when somebody else lets these pet owners down and these, ultimately the pets down we're the ones who are the professionals and we do this for a living and we're expecting certain things. We're rearranging our stuff and we're going ahead and fitting them in because what, what just happened? They had a bad experience. They, they thought they had things figured out, but this person wasn't invested in it where as a professional, we are invested in this. We're invested in making sure your pets are taken care of and let's just go on with, you know, we're talking about what makes a professional. And we said that the basics of everything, but there's so much more that makes us professionals compared to Joe Schmo down the street. And like you were just saying here, you had a client who contacted you. She had to go into the hospital and she, we didn't, you didn't know, you didn't know how long she was going to be in the hospital. You took care of the dogs for nine days. She longer you relationships with people to get those dogs fostered. Tell Absolutely. me, tell me a little bit more about that, because I mean, it just didn't seem, you know, fair and right that you're, you're taking your time. This person's in the hospital. Can they really afford this? And as a professional, we understand the care that these animals need, But we're not trying to rip everybody off. We're not out here to, you know, live in a mansion. I mean, you're not living in a mansion. I'm not living in a mansion. We've both seen each other's houses. I I mean, yeah, (laughs) me too. Me too. But, you know, tell me me a little bit about, like, the relationship building you have to have when you're dealing with situations like this. Because she ended up being in the hospital for, what, almost, what was it, three months?
1: No, it was about a month and a half. No, a little over a month month and a half. Really? Something
0: like that. I thought it was longer than that, but go ahead.
1: And she, what had happened is the dogs had to go into foster care until mom got out of the hospital. But I told the foster care, I said, listen, if these foster families don't work, the dogs can go back home and I will continue taking care of them. Like when it comes to something like that, I'm not worried about the money." Like the financial part of this doesn't even exist in my mind. My mind is making sure these dogs are taken care of. And that is exactly what I did. I was there at five o'clock in the morning before all my other jobs started to make sure that the dogs went out to go potty and they were fed and everything. And then in midday, you'd squeeze them in. I mean, I was there sometimes multiple times, five times a day, because I could only be there 15 minutes at a time. So I would go up, I'd spend 15 minutes with them, head out, come back, head out, come back. Like, you just do what you have to do. And I love what I do. So I honestly, I don't really complain too much. But um, it it gets stressful.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it gets really stressful. And the thing is, with that situation, too, there's also a cat involved. And I mean, dogs need, you know, to go out a little bit more than what, you know, a cat would and dogs are just used to, because this was an older person, they're just used to her being around. So I know you made the decision as being an educated professional that, hey, the dogs need to be in a foster home. Me coming in, I mean, it's okay if we take care of vacation clients or something that you're going to be gone for a week we're going to give enough attention to your animal that it's not going to make a big deal. But when you're looking at, you know, a little over a month for some dogs, I mean, you literally went above and beyond and found them a foster home to go into where they can be cared for as, you know, not that you wouldn't care for them, but they were able to get more attention, but then there was still a cat in the house. You were still going every day. Yeah. and taking care of that cat and doing that so you're still involved with the situation but you knew the dogs were taking care of it let up on your schedule a little bit and i mean how did this owner like react just knowing that okay this wasn't just a kid down the street this was somebody who actually was thinking about the well-being of my animals and felt that their my my dogs need a little bit more and she went above and beyond
1: that's what when i go to meet and greets, and I meet my clients, I let them know me as a person. I don't put anything fake on. You get my goofy, bubbly self. Like, I don't go in yeah (laughs) i I don't
0: you're always too bubbly you're always too chipper and i'm just like oh i just want to punch her in the face but go Uh, ahead never
1: not happy uh but i go in and i show people this and um i i make sure that people understand who i am because if you want somebody who is strict and down to earth i or not i'm down to earth if you want somebody who's strict and all that's not me I'm coming in. I'm going to love your pets up. I'm going to treat them like my own, maybe sometimes better. Um,
0: (laughs) When it comes to your kids, yeah, better than your kids.
1: (laughs) But, like, I absolutely do everything I can to make sure these people know who I am. Like, my meet and greets could last an hour with no problem whatsoever.
0: Right. And
1: usually by the time I leave, the people are extremely comfortable knowing that I'm
0: coming in taking
1: care of their pets.
0: Right. And, and this isn't like a job that it's just like you go and do A, B, C, and D. This is a job that you have to go with what the pet's telling us and what's kind of going on with the environment and what is best for them. And like we both said, like we've we've had emergency situations come up and we have to sit here and think like, what's, what, that? And we need to make these owners feel more at ease with, I'm not here just to do A, B, and C, and D. I'm here to make sure that is well, whether that means I have to get them into foster care, or I have to do this, or I have to do that because of the long-term prospect of everything. Yep, absolutely. So it's just not a guideline. And going with what makes a true professional I mean, I I think you've kind of learned a little bit the hard way (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I've been dealing with you for, you know, almost a year, but having relationships with vets offices and knowing where emergency vets are, there's so many people out here. I, I know I look on, you know, social media and I belong to a lot of, you know, groups and stuff and I'll see people like my dog's uncontrollably vomiting. Where's the emergency vet? How do you, as a pet parent, like, how do you? I sit here and think, how do you not know that? But us as professionals, we need to know. We need to know every single emergency vet around, and we need to have good relationships with the vets we deal with. And yeah. I know you've dealt with emergency situations. You've dealt with having to deal with vets and things like that. It's not something that just comes easy. We're, we're building a relationship. I know, for, I know you took um, – one of my clients uh, needed to go to the vet's office. And I was actually, you know, on vacation. I was out of town and there was a little bit of emergency and I was contacted when I was on vacation, I was able to call you. And I said, Hey, Rachel, can you, can you go and handle this for me? You went, you took this pet to the vet and I'm telling you, and I called you right afterwards. The next (laughs) time I went down to that vet's office, which it's actually my vet. My client uses the same vet as I do. They were like, that girl you sent here, does she work for you? I'm like, no, she's a colleague of mine. She's technically my, we're competition. <laughs> I mean, no, that's, that's my competition. They're like, oh my God, she's absolutely fabulous. She's awesome. They're asking information about you. And I mean, it's building those relationships that help us. And I know I have good relationships with many of the vets around here that they know they get a phone call from me. They know that something's wrong and somebody's out of town and they need to help us and this pet needs some help. I mean, yeah. how have you felt when you're dealing with building these relationships with the vets, dealing with the emergency stuff, like we we have to navigate that for our pet owners too. I mean, I know you were at a vets not too long ago and they were kind of, you know, giving you the runaround. And you were having some, you know, difficulties with that. They're not communicating with you. They're not communicating with the owner. And you were dealing with a whole lot of stuff. And you just happened to, you know, segregate all of this. I mean, it's about relationship building. I mean, how did you handle situations like that? How how do you deal with it?
1: I try to handle everything with other people's pets as I would do my own. When I don't get an answer, I drive up there and. Don't leave until I do get an answer. Like I do. Which the is exa- what
0: you did with this incident. You you literally <laughs> drove up there and you're like, Jen, come up here because if I get arrested, like you need to bail me out and you need to get this, this animal. So, I mean, it's just sometimes crazy and trying not to panic the owners and stuff. I mean, it's, it's difficult. And Did you think a year ago when you started this, that being a true professional meant that you have to deal with these kind of situations? Talk to me a little bit more about that.
1: Never. I mean, I knew that you would deal with um, deaths deaths of pets, which is terrible to even think about, but I I knew that that would come about eventually because, you know, when you know a pet that long, something's going to happen eventually to a pet. Mm -hmm. Um, And you get a lot of older clients and such. So it's something that you almost expect, but I don't think I ever expected going up And sitting in an emergency vet's office for six hours or taking an emergency pet to a regular vet's office and being there for four hours. And no, I didn't expect any of that. But when I do stuff like that, I don't go to, I don't take all the owner's money while I'm doing it. Like that's not my concern my concern isn't making a dollar for going to the emergency vet my point is to go and make sure this animal's taken care of this pet is taken care of and not worrying about and that's what I tell the owners I'm like listen don't worry about owing me all this because I have people that I owe you my life right now because you know I've I've actually saved a dog's life um, you know, right. I owe you everything. And I'm like, no, you don't. That is part of what I do. You
0: know, it's right. it's
1: not about anything else. That's part of what I do.
0: Right. And and I mean, we have to think about it, too. I mean, there's there's people out here who will be like, you know, I'm going to charge you for all of this. But the main thing is the pet owners having to pay for medical stuff. They're not around to take care of their pets. And we're the only comfort that this pet has and these pet owners have and to be ripping them off. Like I'm going to call it ripping them off because of incidents that happened. The pet owners didn't expect it to happen. We didn't expect it to happen, but you got to handle it to save an actual life.
1: Well, in these situations, I actually gave the owners 90 days to pay my bill um, for the pet sitting for the whole vacation itself because I knew I told them I said listen these are the expenses that you would never ever ever expect so don't worry about me you worry about taking care of your pet and then worry about me but that's not like a priority of mine my priority honestly is the pets right And and
0: that's what it should be as a professional that's what it should be absolutely Yeah. And and I told you, you know, a year ago when I, you know, when I started talking to you and I met you and I said to you, I said, you need to be prepared for anything to happen, anything to happen. And everybody thinks that, oh, we're just playing with, you know, puppies and kittens all day. How hard can it be to walk a dog and do this? But we need to be prepared for most anything to happen. And having the insurance on top of that, a lot of people think it's a joke. And a lot of insurance companies don't cover us pet sitters because pets are unpredictable. Anything can happen with them. So there's very few companies that insure us. But as being a professional like you and I, I know with this incident, because I I was kind of there for you to back up, make sure you didn't go to jail. But I mean... (laughs) You pull, we pull out credit cards and we're like, let's let's get this taken care of, pay for whatever needs to be done to sustain life, to get this pet well until the parents can come home. We have to have that money in and around, or you use insurance and file a claim that the pet is able to be taken care of. How would How would Joe Schmo down the street, who's putting himself through college thinks that this is easy money? How is he going to pay for a four thousand dollar vet visit at the emergency care because this dog has is bleeding blood and fell over and all of this? They're they're not going to be able to do that.
1: Well, that was my problem with the first trip to the emergency vet. Is the owner was when I had went down and. Told them, if this dog is stable and everything's fine, I'm taking the dog home. I know how to give fluids. I know how to give medications. I know how to give shots. I know how to give that kind of stuff. I can take care of him. He doesn't need to be here unless it's something that is, you know, life threatening that he has to be there. And they would not release the dog until the bill was paid. Wow. The well, owner.
0: What, what, what if the owner's on a cruise and you can't get a hold of them? Then what? what yeah. do you do? Was on a plane and
1: yeah. I couldn't get a hold of the owner. So I refused to leave that dog there. So that's yeah. what I did. I paid the bill and he had overnight visit and everything. I paid the bill, and I, I mean I trust the owner one hundred percent, and I was able to uh, get reimbursed for everything, and everything worked out fine. But it's just the point that. I refuse to leave that dog in
0: an unfamiliar Um, area. Right. And, and, and then, you know, too, we, a a lot of people, I think when they contact us and they're dealing with us, they think we're just sitting at home with our thumbs up our butts waiting for them to call us. But we have a million other clients. We have, We have several clients who are already scheduled with us, schedule, you know, a year in advance, do this, do that. So even when an emergency situation like like what you just had comes up, we need to have a backup plan. And you had one. And I think a lot of people starting out don't think, like, worst scenarios of anything. And I know when I first started talking to you, I was like, you always need to think of the worst. You always need to think, like, what if this, what if this, what if this? And because you have a family-owned business, when you were up there dealing with that dog at the vet and at the emergency vet,
1: you were able able to help.
0: I was able to help you. You had resources like myself and other people within our network that were able to help you so that you can stay up there with that pet and get it taken care of Yeah. so that you could be with that pet and your business wasn't on hold. You weren't calling people saying, like, I can't, I'm neglecting your pet. I'm not going to be able to take care of your pet today. We have to have those emergency backups going on.
1: Yes. And that's, I think that's why you and I work so closely together. And also there's other companies that we work with in our network. That's the important thing about the network is you can reach out to these people in the network and they will be there for you. And you always have somebody to help you, which is absolutely amazing. Like when you go on vacation, you have people in the network to help you. When I go on vacation, I have people in this network to cover my clients that need somebody
0: Right. right, and, and having these backup plans, I think is so important because animals are unpredictable. We don't know when something's going to happen. And this also leads into, I know when I was first talking to you, like you were like, yeah, no first aid and CPR is out there. I, you know, I'll, I'll wait a little while and I'm like, yeah, I need to do it. You need to do it. Yes. And, you know, I helped you get set up with it. But a lot of people think like, okay, how hard is it? But the classes we take, it's a hands-on class. It's four hours long. And it's, it's come in handy. I mean, a lot of people think like, oh, how hard can this be? I don't need to know this stuff. But even in the year that you've been out here doing stuff, you've had to use it a few times. It's, it's, it's pretty relevant to what we do. Absolutely, yes. I mean, we'd hate to have to use it, but sometimes it's kind of what we have to do. Yeah. So another thing that, you know, is kind of, you know, hard to deal with is sometimes the, you know, you mentioned about death of a pet. That's a hard one, too. When we're dealing with the death of a pet, like when we're dealing with these pets for several years, like some some pets I've dealt with, I've I've been in business a little longer than you. I've dealt with them since they're a puppy. Now they're seniors. And to just watch them go downhill and then the death of them. They, that takes a part of me and it's, it's not easy and it's not hard, but when we're dealing with the clients, we sometimes have to be a front for them and we have to put on our brave face when we're breaking down inside, when we're dealing with the death of a pet. I don't think you've had to deal with the death of a pet yet with a client. Have you? I have. Oh,
1: yes, I, I actually have. Um, I've had some of my clients I've had so two of my clients, I believe it is, had to uh, put their pets down. And mm-hmm. I was one of the very first people that they called to yeah. tell that they were going to go through this. And I was able to um, make sure that the owner was comfortable, was okay, didn't need anything, because that's the type of person I am. I wanted to reach out yeah. to them, make sure everything was okay. So
0: yeah, and any. He- it's hard. And I mean, I'm glad because I've had some clients who have literally contacted me and they're like, we're heading to the vet or that we're having in-home euthanasia. Can you please be here with me? Yes. And I've, I've been there with them when they've done it because nobody else understands the relationship with these pets. So sometimes it's hard for, I don't know if you've had experience it yet, which you might not have, but not only just being there with the pets, but We're caring for them and to find out after the fact, to find out several months later when they're contacting us to help them with something. And we find out that this beloved pet that we've invested all this time and effort into them passed away several months ago and we were never notified. I mean, that kind of tears me up.
1: It does. And I, I think one of the things that tears me up the most is actually taking care of the pets that are, pretty much on their deathbed. Um, You're being there for them and you're taking, you know, you're taking care of them while they are incredibly ill, but you do everything you can to love them up just as if their owners would. Um, You know, I've, I've loved pets up and unfortunately, you know, they had passed away maybe the, the next week or whatever the case may be. But there's some things that you do that is absolutely terrible. And I I don't enjoy that
0: part of the job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So even when we're dealing with things where the pets are, you know, sick and ill, I mean, the hard part for us is watching them go downhill and watching them have to have medications that sometimes can make them sicker or We just are watching them go downhill, but I think, too, some of the hardest conversations we've had to have as pet sitters is kind of letting the owners know because sometimes they're not willing to give up their pets, and we've had to kind of guide them and say, hey, look, this pet has no quality of life. Things are going on, and it's hard for us to have that conversation. I think it's hard for us to watch it happen with their pet.
1: It is. It absolutely is. And there's things that you have to do where you start to feel bad that you have to do it. Or, you know, there's some pets on 15 medications a day and you're just, you feel bad because you got to give a dog so much medication a day and what quality of life is that? But then you look Mm -hmm. at the pets and you're like, I know why mom didn't do it, but (laughs) it really sucks.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think another thing that sucks too is, you know, we have to deal with like weather and stuff. I mean, I I know that when I sometimes when I'm trying to hire, (laughs) I mean, I have people who call me when, you know, I'm talking to them and I'm interviewing them. They're like, Oh, well, if it's raining, do I have to walk, walk the dogs? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We have a tropical storm coming through. I mean, do I still have to walk the dogs? If you're not getting belted in the head with hail Yeah, get them out and go to the bathroom. They have to go to the bathroom. I mean, come come on now. And, And it's dangerous situations like this, too, that we have to deal with. We don't only have to protect these animals out in this extreme heat to make sure they're not passing out. We're sitting underneath a tree down the street, making sure they're cool. We're taking water with us. We're making sure they're not dying of heat exhaustion. We're making sure they're not getting pelted with hail. We're making sure they're, that a hurricane's not coming through and they're getting swept up and we're holding onto the leash and they're in a tornado. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of like like we have to deal with weather stuff too as being a professional. And I don't think a lot of people think about that.
1: I've been out in snow so deep that the pet was sinking in the snow. (laughs) We had had to find the little path that we were able to go on that the pet wasn't sinking
0: in the snow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and still even icy conditions, state of emergency, we still have pets that need medication, need to be with us and we need to get them out that it doesn't matter. We, we better have good, good goddamn snow tires on and be able to truck it there, (laughs) you know? So, Another part that makes this job a little more difficult, I think, is a lot of people think that when you're a professional and you're dealing with pets, that all you deal with is pets. I have so many people like, oh, my God, you only get to work with animals all day. There is a people aspect to this. There is a people aspect to this. And even with you, with your client who ended up in the hospital, you're still checking in with her, making sure she's okay, talking to her, making sure she's listening to the doctors and finding out information. But, I mean, we still have to deal with the clients. We still have to deal with them. So sometimes we do have difficult clients. Sometimes we're therapists to some to make sure that they're okay and they're doing well, but other times we have difficult clients. People don't realize That there can be difficult clients. I know I've gotten some that it's all of a sudden they're contacting me on Thursday and they're like, oh, I have a wedding coming up this weekend. I need you to be here. Uh, You've known about this wedding for six months. So how have you been able to, you know, being a newcomer into this, been able to deal with some difficult clients that are literally blowing up your phone all the time or questioning how you handle business and what you kind of do. And some of these last minute appointments, how have you been dealing with some of that?
1: Well, I deal with a lot of last minute appointments. Um, I deal with a lot of police officers because of my husband's job. Um, I deal with a lot of police officers, get mandatory shifts and they'll call that morning and say, Hey, I need you to come by today and work in 16 hours. So I do my best to fit them in anytime because I completely understand about the whole getting mandatory stuff. But as far as difficult clients, I pretty much smile and nod. Um, I have, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I try my, ne- to, my next
0: kind of sore from that. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I try to understand that not, everybody is the same. Like people are just so different, especially when it comes to their pets. Let me tell you, some people are definitely a lot different. Um, Mm -hmm. so I try to adapt to different personalities and such with these people and I try to help them out as much as possible. I try not to push people away unless it comes down to something that's going to, um, you know, be a liability then I'd absolutely push somebody away. But personality wise, I just try to accept everybody the best that I can.
0: Right. But it's also dealing with your schedule too. Like, you know, you deal with a lot of, you know, our first responders, which, you know, thank you all of you for all your hard work and what you do. But, you know, I deal with, you know, some nurses, some doctors, things like that. They can get pulled into extra shifts, especially dealing with this COVID stuff. So, I mean, you can't book your schedule so full that all of a sudden if one of these people calls and a police officer calls and says, hey, I need you to take care of my pet, and you're completely booked that you can't try to rearrange a couple of things to try to help them out because they, they don't know that this is about to happen. They know, you know, limited time and we got to try to help them out
1: that's what I try to do. I try to leave gaps in my schedule. That way, if somebody does call and needs an emergency that I'm able to help out. Um, I, like you said, I work with nurses. I actually work with a veterinarian or a, client as a veterinarian. um, You know, I deal with different clients that have crazy hours that are in school, you know, everything that you could possibly imagine. So we also get a lot of cancellations. Um, I don't get angry about cancellations, especially now with COVID. Um, I don't get angry about the cancellations. I understand how life is. Um, I mean, everything can change day by day and I get that, but I always try to make room in my schedule for emergencies, you know, if it's something that's needed.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that goes with scheduling and handling last minute requests. Like if it's an emergency, like I'm more than willing to go above and beyond to help handle that emergency that's happening. And let's say a police officer has to pull a double shift or something like that, or a nurse or a doctor needs to do that. I'm more than willing to handle some of those last minute requests, but sometimes we get phone calls for like emergency situations, things like that, that somebody doesn't know. But sometimes we have clients who I feel that kind of can take advantage of us that all of a sudden, like they knew a meeting was scheduled and they're working late from work and they contact us last minute when they've known about this meeting for well over a week well that's a
1: problem that we have (laughs) you know I just tell people I say listen if I can't here's what I tell people on my initial meet and greets I come straight out and tell them if you have vacation planned for next year send me the dates and get on the schedule because I'm booking into next year already yeah. And, you know, if it's something that you have, that's an emergency, I get it. I'll try to help out. But you have to yeah. give me advance notices because I've told people now that, you know, there's no way I can fit them in. Um, you know, this weekend, I'm completely booked up to the point where I couldn't even fit an emergency if I have to. But it's a holiday weekend. So if I did have an emergency, I would reach out to somebody in the network and hopefully somebody would be able to help out. Um, right. but there's a few times where you come across that, but for the most part, I try my hardest to make sure that I leave little gaps in there to be able to fill in for emergency situation. But if it's just for something for pleasure that, you know, somebody should have probably told me about a month ago, then
0: it's, you know, if I can't fit them in, then I can't fit them in. Right. And I, and I think sometimes, like, I know that we're dealing with a lot right now with, summer with covid with the holiday and i think people sometimes like some of the holidays their thanksgiving's always the same time every year christmas is always the 25th of december and they wait until like christmas eve and they're like hey i need you for tomorrow uh you've kind of known about this for a while it's a holiday we're I already love- booked and People just kind of, you know, think that we're just sitting around waiting for them to contact us. They don't realize that we could have emergency situations. We have other clients who, you know, believe in our services, trust our services, only want us and book us well in advance. I mean, I book out a year in advance. I know you're starting to book out a year in advance. And it's it's kind of difficult. And right now, currently, you and I are both dealing with a lot of last minute phone calls that a pet sitter is not going to show up or they're closing their business or this is happening, that's happening. And we're trying our best to help these people because they're stuck in a bad situation. But sometimes it gets to be a little difficult. And when we're sitting to them and we're telling them, Hey, go on and fill out our information. Give me the date so I can get you in. And then they piss around. They piss around for like several weeks And then all of a sudden we've had somebody else who is eager to have our, our, our services and they hurry up and book us. And then we're booked.
1: Yep. And I, I've had that happen where somebody wanted this week and they didn't log into the system. I cannot get you on my schedule until you sign my contract. You get, you know, into my system and everything. You tell me everything about your pets and stuff in the system. I cannot get you on the schedule, not even for a meet and greet. If I don't meet right. you, I'm not coming to watch your pets
0: unless
1: it is an emergency, like right. you're going to the hospital and you need me be there. Then that's right. something completely different.
0: Right. Because it's, just- it's a liability issue on all of our parts. Like our insurance doesn't necessarily say it, but it's, it's, a, it's a liability for us. I'm not walking into a pet's home. That's their home. It's like walking into a loaded gun because that pet doesn't know me. If I don't have that meet and greet set up, I'm most likely going to get injured. And if I get injured, that means I'm out of work. And I'm letting down all these other people who have already made commitments too. It makes it for a you know difficult situation. So when we tell people and say, hey, hurry up and do this, it's not that we're pressuring them. It's that, hey, there's other people in line waiting to get our services Hurry up and get your shit together.
1: <laughs> I think some people actually think I'm kidding when I say, listen, I'm available today, but the chances are tomorrow you could call and I could not be available. So if you want it right. on the schedule and some people I think uh, feel as if I'm joking and don't get on the schedule and then call and it's booked. Ooh.
0: Right. And, and two, going into the next subject of this, you said that, you know, you're you're the same as me, which I'm I'm so proud of. Um, but I, I don't go and I don't hold dates for people who are not willing to go in and give me information about their pets and sign my contracts. My contracts are important to me because it has my policies and procedures in it. I'm telling you, I'm coming to take care of your pets. There's certain things I need to do that properly, and that I'm not gonna rob your house, I'm not gonna do anything that's gonna harm your pet. That's what my contracts are about. So those are policies I have. So sometimes if people aren't accepting that and they want to question it, I'm, I'm kind of like, uh, do I want to deal with you? Because these are things that I have set in place for your pet safety, for your safety, for my own safety. So it can sometimes gets to be hard enforcing some of these policies. Have you had to ch- literally go back to your contract and enforce some of these policies that we put in place that people are accepting and not reading it? I, I find a lot of my clients don't don't read the crap until all of a sudden they're screw me over. And I'm kind of like, hey, you're kind of going against my policies and stuff. I'm not going to do that.
1: Yeah, there's there's a few things that I've had to uh, reach out. Um, one big thing is, is if I'm going to watch your dog, I need to see your dog at the very least, three times a day. Um, yep. I find that to be a problem uh, that people, you know, some people don't agree with that, but I, it's, it's in my contract. So, you know, my policy is three times a day for a dog, one time a day for a cat. And if you don't like it, then
0: don't use my business. <laughs> yeah. then I'm not the right fit for you. And that, that's what I tell people. And I've had people come back to me and say, Oh, my pet's on a medication, but I only want every other day or don't do the medication. Well, if I'm not giving the medication that your vet is telling you the pet needs, I'm being, I'm neglectful and it can cause more health harm to your pet, which means you can come back after me and my insurance because I let your pet get sick because I didn't give the medication because you said, Oh, my cat's skittish. I'm gonna let it run through the house and you're never gonna find it, you're never gonna see it. Don't worry about the meds. It that's that's my responsibility. I said I would take care of your pets. And that's part of what we do is take care of your pets. <laughs> yeah, and, and and enforcing the policies. I mean, literally, and you'll find this out too. I've um I have some policies in there. I don't think you're as strict as I am, but I definitely don't agree with adversive, you know, adversive equipment or aversive training on any of my pets because I've read the studies. I know that it can be harmful for me, my pet sitters, anybody who's dealing with me. I'm not putting myself in a dangerous situation because you got an uneducated, you know, trainer or whatnot who wants to abuse ultimately abuse your dog. So I've had some clients who instead of paying attention to my contract that I I have in my contract, some people call it a non-compete. It's really not. It's if you, if I can't handle your business, I will send you to somebody who I know will properly care is insured is bonded and is going to keep in touch with me to let me know what's going on and treat your pet with proper humane care. And if all of a sudden I found out, and I found out from a couple of my clients that they decided to use a trainer that was not referred by me and uses abusive techniques. And I've I've dropped them. I've dropped them like a bad habit. I'm like, I'm not, no, you've now made a dangerous situation for me to come into because you didn't follow my policies and procedures. And and that's kind of, you know, gets to be a little difficult. And then I have arguments coming back as to, well, why don't you want to care for my pet? Well, because it's it's not that I'm trying to control everything. I want to make sure I'm safe.
1: And that's why you have a contract. That's why you have policies.
0: Yep. That's the way and I then, think. Yeah. And then it comes down to, you know, the part two when we have to, you know, turn down clients. I mean, how have you specifically, I, I know you've had a couple of difficult um, clients or how do I want to say this Um, unsanitary conditions (laughs) with clients that you've had to deal with that it's just unsafe for first off the pets second off for you. I mean, how do you start to handle and like, this makes us what a professional is. We can't just tell people like, Hey, your house is gross. We're not ever coming back to you. (laughs) Even though we want to say that right out because you're the same as me and we're, you know, very vocal people. But, I I mean, you can't say that as a professional and be like, your house is gross. Your pets are dying in your situation. And this is, I, I mean, how do we, how do you go ahead and turn down clients like that after finding out that it's just unlivable conditions and their pets in harm and they're putting you in harm's way?
1: Well, I won't take on somebody if or I won't continue service with somebody that I feel that way about. Um I do this to make sure pets are safe, not to go into a place where I'm absolutely disgusted and yeah. don't be
0: there. <laughs> yeah. So but I mean I- a lot of people starting out don't think about situations like this.
1: Yeah, I won't take on a client if I am put in that kind of situation or I won't continue service with a client that I'm putting that situation with.
0: Yeah. And it's hard for us too. I think as pet sitters, when we feel that it's a, it's a bad situation. It's a neglectful situation. We have as professionals in our contract and with what we deal with, with our clients, we have to have some type of confidentiality. I'm bringing in their mail. I know what bank they're using. I know what's happening. I know when they're out of town, we have to have some type of confidentiality. We can't just, I mean, a lot of people look down on us pet sitters sometimes where these animals are living in, you know, unfit conditions. But let's think about this. Your, your previous law enforcement, your husband's law enforcement, as long as they have shelter and food, that's kind of, that's all our laws kind of cover. I mean, the laws show that as long as they're fed and they have shelter that that pet is taken care of, but sometimes we see unfit conditions and you being in a law enforcement background and your husband dealing with, you know, the law enforcement part of things. It's also hard when we have our confidentiality to report something like this when they're paying. I mean, we're not cheap. We, we charge money and people are willing to pay for our services, but for us to report them for what we feel is unfit conditions doesn't necessarily meet with the law. And what can we do in those type of situations?
1: I mean, as, as long as the pet is fed and taken care of and not outside tied to a two foot chain and the heat with no water. I mean, I've, I haven't seen any conditions where the pets were completely neglected.
0: And I don't think that our our people who are paying for our services are technically neglecting their pets, but I feel that sometimes maybe they're ill or something's happening that we're kind of grossed out by the situation. And a lot of people look down on us and say, why aren't you reporting this? And I don't think they understand that we're educated, we're professionals, we know what the law is. That pet is not sitting in a kennel being euthanized. And, and we I are being would fed help the
1: situation before I would do that. Yeah. I would do what I could to help the situation before I would,
0: you know, want a pet and to go back to a shelter. Right. And it makes us advisors for what our clients like need. Yes. And so the next thing is too, like I've noticed with my business, and I've warned you about it already, business hours. Business hours. I mean, I, I want to spend time at home. You have three kids. You have your own pets. I have my own pets. I have a husband that I, you know, need to keep an eye on. But, I mean, business hours. I, I don't want to be taking phone calls after 8 o'clock at night. So I have certain business hours as to when I'm going to contact people back, deal with things. And unless it's an emergency, most likely you're not hearing from me until the next day when my business hours are open. And I know sometimes a lot of clients will contact us in the middle of the night. I've had clients text me at two o'clock in the morning asking me for something, uh, you know, if I have availability two months from now. (laughs) Ah, It's it's insane. They literally think about like themselves and they're not like, okay, Jen needs to sleep. Rachel needs to sleep. She wants to spend time at home. And people get frustrated sometimes when I think they, you know, hear my business hours, but also... Once they know my business hours, they, they still just contact me any time of the day. Yes. Have you started having that issue?
1: I have. Yes.
0: <laughs> and, uh, had- what do you and- do?
1: Well, if it's an emergency, I don't mind. Um, I'll do what I can right. to help, but to be honest, if not, I just won't answer the phone and right. i Call them back whenever it is time for me or when I have time. I mean, if I'm out right. and taking care of another pet, you know, it's it's my obligation to pay attention to that pet, not talk exactly. on the phone and
0: ignore exactly, that Exactly, because so that's what we're getting paid to do. And I, I think sometimes they don't think that. I, I mean, I have clients who pay completely attention to my dog. I'm playing paying complete attention, but it doesn't help when... I'm paying attention to somebody else's animal and you're Mm -hmm. calling me uh, uh, like 20 times in like two minutes and trying to get me to answer the phone. Like I'm taking care of that pet. You wouldn't appreciate this for your own pet's care. And you're paying me to take care of your pet. So, I mean, I think sometimes they think that we're, we don't do anything as business owners. I think they think that we're not doing anything. We're waiting for their phone call. We're waiting to schedule this and all of that. So, I mean, I think as being, you know, a new person and coming into this, I don't think people kind of realize and think like, you need to think about what your business hours are going to be. Are you going to be answering phone calls until two o'clock in the morning when you got to get up at 6 a.m. to go and take care of a pet? Yeah, absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah.
1: If there's an emergency and you need me, you call me. But if not, I won't be picking up the phone. Right.
0: Right. Right, and, and I think the network that we have, I mean, you've talked about the network and stuff, and we get contacted because we're so involved in these people's lives. We're so involved with their pets. We know everything that's going on. As a professional, as a professional, not just just run down the street, as a professional, we need to have these professional relationships. I have many relationships with groomers, with vets' offices, with other pet sitters, I mean, I'm going to be going on vacation soon. You're taking care of some of my clients. I'm not sitting here freaking out, worrying that, you know, you're going to steal my client from me. You're helping me out. If they decide your service is better than mine, by all means, go right ahead. But I have these relationships that I'm so involved in these people's lives. Half of the time, that if there's an emergency with their pet, they're not calling the vet. They're not calling the emergency. They're calling me. Jen, what should I do? What should I do? And And I'm just sitting here like, oh my, oh my gosh. Like, thank God I have the relationships I have to be like, go here. I know the certain vets that have same day appointments. I know how much AVETs cost. I know how much PVSEC costs. I know how, you know, some of these places work. I know who is the certified groomers. Who's going to treat your pet well? Who can handle Cats, not all grooming deals with cats. There's only a few grooming shops that actually will groom cats because cats are cats are weird. Cats are a pain in the ass. So, I mean, having those relationships and having relationships with other pet centers that I can trust that I know are going to take as good care of the pets as I would.
1: Yes, and I feel that is incredibly important. Incredibly important.
0: And, and I think just anybody who's wanting to do this, They're not building this relationship. I know that I've reached out to other businesses, so-called, let me just change that, so-called businesses that say they do pet care. I've reached out to them. I'm like, why don't you join our network? We need other people that we can refer to and are trustworthy. And they they either don't respond or they think that I don't need you or that I'm better. I'm going to take over the world. Rachel, I don't know about you, but I can't. I, I would love to take over the world one day, honestly, but um, I can't. I can't handle every pet. I can't no. do it all. I need I, I need some time for myself. I'm overworked sometimes. I can only do so much. There's only so many hours in the day, and that's why, you know, I'll refer people to you. I will send them over to you. You'll send people over to me because we can't. And if anybody out here is literally thinking and you hire a pet sitter who doesn't think they need help and that they can do it all themselves, that's selfish. They're trying to just get your money. I I mean, I don't even know what else to say about that.
1: And I agree with that also. Like I couldn't, I don't plan to do it on my own. Like I look for help. I look for classes. I look for assistance with everything that I need. I'm not afraid to reach out and ask questions. Yeah. I've been at clients' houses, meet and greets where I call you and say, "Oh, okay, so this is the situation is this okay for this or, you know, pumpkin for dog, right?" Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fantastic.
0: Right. And it's it's all about the education like I've been dealing with this for, you know, several more years than you have. I've come across different experiences. I've learned different things. I want to pass that on to somebody else to make them, you know, better and to help them in case they get into that situation. But I I can't handle everything on my own. I need to rely on other people. I wish I could duplicate myself 10 times and be able to take over the world. I can't. I'm not a robot. My robot person... Yeah, my robot person personality would probably, like, shoot up a bunch of people. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, you can't do it all. And me and you were just talking the other day that a client of mine that I've had that I've been dealing with diarrhea for two years, two years, been to the vet several times, changed medications, done this, done that. This dog has been losing weight, diarrhea all the time. And what did we come to find out? And I told you, I was like, it's a it was a B12 deficiency. I'm now finally getting solid poops out of this dog. And I'm hoping that it'll help with absorption and this dog can start gaining weight again because he's you met him because you're helping to take care of him soon. He's he's skin and bones. He's bones and skin that you're walking around. It looks like you're, you know, abusing this animal. And that's not the point. But two years it's taken to find out. That it's a B twelve deficiency, and I was telling you about it, and we're both, me and you, are both flabbergasted that the only change with this dog was giving a B twelve supplement that took two years for the vet to finally tell us to do. And that'll be and
1: something if, never forget.
0: <laughs> I mean, never forget. But I mean, every day's a learning experience. Nobody dealing with pets, nobody's going to know all of it. You have. So to I, know I mean. I have to be willing to look to others like, you know, you've had situations where like this happened and I've I've given you advice. And unfortunately, sometimes my advice is wrong. Not always, but, you know, like once in a while and we just think about things and we can help each other. There's no reason to try to, you know, try to control everything. So I think when it comes to being a professional, you need to know when you need help. Or you want to educate somebody else and say, oh, my God, I had this issue. Just so you know, if you ever have this issue, check this out. Mm-hmm. I, I've dealt with this. This is what's going on.
1: And you should be willing to learn and willing to teach yep. as a
0: in general. Exactly. As a professional in general. Absolutely. So we've talked about emergency situations already. And the last topic I want to kind of hit on, because I know we're you know kind of going... Way over time, we might be boring people, but our stories are fun. So what's it matter? But <laughs> okay. I mean, you've uh, you've been a police dispatcher. Your husband's a police officer. I don't think people realize and see the dangers of what we do as professionals and as pet sitters. Talk to me a little bit about how you deal with. And especially with the background you have, I'm novice to this. I do the best that I can. I carry mace on me, things like that. But what are things as a professional that you need to look out for when you're dealing with animals or being out in houses and out on the street all day long? How do you keep yourself safe and how do you keep these pets safe?
1: Well, I think an important thing is, is always be aware of your surroundings, always be aware of your surroundings. And I will say that over and over and over again, Um, you know, you don't want to be messing around on your phone and have somebody come up behind you or, and my husband and I've discussed this many a times, you know, there could be certain things that happen that you could get hurt. You have to be alert, like you Mm -hmm. have to be willing to to watch your surroundings all the time and I will preach and preach and preach but you gotta be aware of your surroundings
0: and I know like I told you well when I first met you you know over a year ago and I said I said to you I said you're gonna have incidents to come up and I I think it was like what like a couple weeks after I told you to always be watching you contacted me and like no shit A dog just came running out of nowhere at us.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And you panic.
0: You panic. I, I mean, just as any individual, would you panic? What do you do? What do you do? And I think people think this job is so safe. And at any time, I'm dealing with the home and I'm dealing with the pet. I have to make sure the home is safe. I need to make sure the pet is safe. I need to make sure that... I'm noticing if windows are broken, is somebody watching me? I mean, somebody can come up, Rachel, somebody can come up behind us and be following us all day long. They follow us and bash us over the head, take us into the house, do something horrible to us and rob the house because they notice that we just have an animal with us and they're watching our routines. And then just like the situation I was just talking about with you, which I've had happen like gazillion times. I, I can't even tell you. But you can have a stray animal or a dog who's these stupid electric fences I can't stand them. A dog can run out of the electric fence. Come charging at you and the pet that you're being paid to take care of.
1: Yeah. How I, do we I carry, how do we
0: keep ourselves safe?
1: I I carry the mace and if I see a stray dog Or if I see a dog off leash or anything, I hold the mace in my hand. It's always in my, I call it my poop bag. It's my purse that carries poop bags. Um, I always (laughs) carry it in my little pet sitting to go purse. Yep. But I actually put it in my hand if I see a dog off leash anywhere. Because it could just take the matter of seconds. And a dog can react and things can go real bad.
0: And, and they can hurt not only the pet that you're with, but it hurts you, which yes. means you're out of business.
1: Absolutely. And I don't find any of that's worth it. No. So I'm always very, very cautious of everything that's going on around me.
0: It's just about watching your situations. But I know with you being, you know, a dispatcher, your husband being a police officer, I mean, you know, quite a few more tips than what us regular people might know. But I know it's just talking to you because you're you're dealing with a pet and uh, you're walking them and you notice the loose dog. And then you tried to you found that there was an owner near this dog. And then you were like, Hey, I'm gonna introduce myself just so they know that I'm around, I'm a friendly person, I wanna meet this dog. And this guy was like, It's my guard dog, he's gonna kill you, but I have him off leash.
1: I have him for protection. As the girl- I to him off leash so now i know to completely watch my surroundings at that house because you never know if that dog's going to come out but it's not even just pets you got to worry about i mean you got to worry about the people that surround you also
0: right right because not- you don't i can't trust anybody out here i don't i don't know who has ill will and who doesn't i mean we all know as pet sitters we have everybody watching us the neighbors, I'll be out on the street and people will tell me like, oh, I saw you picking your nose on the street corner the other day. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I'm glad you're watching me that that well, that I was picking, a, you know, a hair out of my nose. Like, but we're, we always have eyes on us. And with the day and world that we have, there's cameras on us at all times. But you just never know if people have good intentions that they're looking out for our well-being Or if they're looking out for us to find a hole in the security that we're providing for a home, a pet. And this dog is, it's a security dog. I I want it to kill you. Oh, well, why do you have it off freaking leash, you moron?
1: Yep. And that is the kind of people you deal with.
0: (laughs) And I mean, it just makes our job more dangerous. But then here... We can look at people who are like, oh, I'm a college student. I just want extra money. Oh, I'm a 13-year-old down the street who wants to get extra money. It's, this is not all fun and games. How's a 13-year-old? which you have a 13-year-old? I deal with him. He argues with me all the freaking time. He wants all my money and doesn't want to do anything for it. Yeah. But, like, if he were to go and do this, if, if an incident happened that a stray dog came out, is he going to be able to pay for the vet bills? Is he going to know how to handle the situation? What if somebody's following a young kid with a dog and going back to the house, robbing the house, doing something? I mean, you've heard stories of of this kind of stuff. I'm sure of it.
1: Yeah, I just I don't think that it's safe whatsoever. I mean, my kid, my, my 11 year old likes to come along with me. And there are some clients that I know well enough that they can come along with me. But no, absolutely not. Um, I don't even let them walk my own dogs. Right. Because I, I don't trust people. I don't trust um, other pets. I just, I don't know. I, I don't trust any of that situation at all.
0: No. No. And, and you've seen too much and you know too much from what your background and stuff is. And this isn't an easy job. So I no. think there's a absolutely. lot that kind of goes into there's the basics that go into being a professional, but being a professional, I think we've discussed it, that it takes a whole hell of a lot more. Yes,
1: absolutely. It's not just picking up a leash and, hey, let's go walk a dog.
0: It's, it's not playing with puppies and kittens all day. Oh, I wish it was. I do too. <laughs> well, Rachel... It's been great talking to you. I'm so glad you were able to come on today on the Barking Truth. You're just, I'm I'm glad you're able to come on and talk about what a professional can actually be and what a professional is on paper. So, before we head out here, um, I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. But Rachel, um, give us some information about how anybody can contact you if they're looking for a professional. What areas do you do you cover? What you know? How can they reach you? How can anybody get in touch with you? Well,
1: I live in Murraysville, and I cover half an hour away surrounding my house. So I cover quite a big area uh, for now, but we're starting to fill up pretty quickly. But you are more than welcome to call at 724-212-0427, or you can look up my business at on Awesome Pet Services, and you can Google that, and I'll come right up. Well, thank, thank you so much for having me, Jen.
0: No, thank you for being on here. I think this is a great conversation. And hopefully some of our listeners learned a little bit about what it really takes to be a professional. It's not just about on paper, but there's a lot that we put into this because this is our career. This is what we do for a living. Yes, absolutely.
1: And I hope people learn uh, to use professional, please.
0: Yeah. It's important. I- It is. It is. For your pet's sake. It's important for their pet's sake and for their own sanity. So I I appreciate you being on here tonight and um, I look forward to doing some other podcasts with you in the near future. Sounds fantastic. All right, everybody, I hope you learned something today and uh, definitely check out, go and like Rachel's page. She is on Facebook. She is Dog on Awesome Pet Services and check her website out and We'll be in touch. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, bye.
1: Bye-bye.